You know, I'm grateful we live in a day and age where we have ready access to so many different ways to keep learning, and in particular to learning about the faith. Right now I know Father Mike Schmitz has another number one podcast on Apple iTunes podcast with his catechism in, the, in a year, and I know that the Bible in a year is also still really popular. In fact, I know a lot of people who are doing it right now, and the fact that we can have access to all these different things, there's all these resources out there, it's just kind of like a golden, time, golden age in continuing education in the faith. And the other day I was listening to a talk from one of my favorite podcasts sources. Uh, it's called the Thomistic Institute. And what they do is they have a lot of different uh, talks on various college campuses all over the country. And so they record the talks, so the audio quality is not always 100%. But man, the content is usually just great. And I was listening to this, this show or this talk on Catholic social teaching. And this professor told a really good story where he said there was this communist village and this communist general comes to the village and he's sort of like interrogating different peasants and he calls this peasant gentleman up in front of the crowd and he says, comrade, what would you do if you had two houses? And he said, I would live in one and give the other to the party. And he said, very good. Comrade, what would you do if you had two cars? I would drive one and I would give the other one to the party. Very good. Comrade, what would you do if you had two pairs of pants? And the guy got nervous and just sort of looked around. And the general said, what's wrong, comrade? He said, I do have two pairs of pants. I don't know what the right answer is. And so it's an interesting thought, though, when you think about that, and especially in relation to what we begin today in the gospel. Because this was about Catholic social teaching and basically what we do with what we have. And this point in Matthew's Gospel, and I think I brought up last week that we are into chapter 4, the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. We heard that John had been arrested. Jesus proclaims, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he goes and he calls Andrew and Peter and James and John, and they get to work. Well, we skip a little bit, but then today, this is the beginning of chapter 5. And one of the most well-known and beautiful sections of the Gospel of Matthew Chapters 5, 6, and 7 are the Sermon on the Mount. So this is like the central moral teaching of Jesus Christ, what we're supposed to do day to day. And there's so much to this, and it's just beautiful. And unfortunately, the way this is going to kind of fall over the next several weeks we don't get to go through everything at Mass from the Sermon on the Mount. Like I said, it's three whole chapters of the Gospel of Matthew, and we get the next four Sundays, including this one, to kind of scratch the surface. And of course, next Sunday, I won't be with you, because on Thursday, I'm actually going to be where Jesus said all this, at the Mount of Beatitudes, celebrating Mass. I'm excited about it. It'll be great. But... So we have like basically a month until then we jump into Lent and then we sort of go in different directions. We don't come back to ordinary time until I believe it's June 11th and at that point we kind of move beyond the Sermon on the Mount. All of that to say, those three chapters, I highly recommend you take the time to kind of work through them over the next couple of weeks, especially as we move towards Lent because it's so good to see the way 
that Jesus is calling you here and now to follow him, here and now to do what he's calling you to do. And not just, oh, you know, someday, if I have more money, I can do X. I'll tell you, one of those phrases I've heard so many times, and it's a beautiful thought, but I've heard it less here recently, was, you know, Father, if I win the lottery, we're paying off that debt. And I'll tell you, it's a lovely thought, but even better than, hey, if you win the Powerball, we got $20 trillion, like, great, we'll take care of it, but we do all have bank accounts now, right? And the fact of the matter is, over the last many years, we've been chipping away at it. We went from $5.5 million nine years ago to only half a million dollars now. It's incredible. And why is that? Because we've chipped in. People do what they can do, right? You don't have to wait until the day when you win the lottery. And it's the same thing with all of it in the moral life, right? There's the danger to say, ah, oh, when I have more time, then I'm going to pray. But the fact of the matter is, you're only going to have 24 hours a day, whether it's today or it's 20 years from now. Now, granted, I get it. Our lives look a little bit different. The little guys make it a little bit harder to pray in a particular way. But God calls us right here and now to respond to his invitation, to give of ourselves, to use the gifts of our time, the gift of our resources, the gift of our relationships, of our experiences, to respond to what he is calling us to. To basically not think about what we would do with a second house or a second car, but what we are going to do with our second pair of pants, right? Because we all have something that he's calling us to each day. He doesn't want us to just sit in the dark valley of mediocrity. He wants us to climb the mountain of greatness. And you can even see it in the very way that Matthew gives us the Beatitudes, right? It kind of starts off with a lot of ideals. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they who mourn. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst. Blessed are the merciful, the clean of heart, the peacemakers. They who are persecuted. But notice this. It's a subtle shift at the end, although our good deacon blasted it out there, and I appreciate it. It goes from blessed are they to blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of of evil against you falsely because of me. All of a sudden, it goes from just kind of the idea, what I would do with a house or a car, to... What are you doing now with that second pair of pants? What are you doing now with all the resources God has given you, the gift of time right now? And of course, he lays it out right there. When they insult you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Following him doesn't lead to just a walk in the park, easy way of life. And I know it's surprising when it happens. It surprises me too but it shouldn't surprise us because he died on a cross, right? It's like we're following him who laid down everything. And it's sort of like being the kid in the class who does his homework when no one else did and you just threw off the curve and everybody's really happy with you. But you gotta do the homework. Why? Because you need to learn the material and make it part of you and be the young man or woman that you're called to be. Jesus wants even more for us than that. He wants us to follow him here and now, not just to think about what's coming in the next three chapters, this big teaching as just an ideal that would be nice maybe someday for some people or if I have a second house car or time, right? It's what are you going to do now with your second pair of pants? The other thing that's so beautiful 
Because like I said, I'm so excited to get to go here and to celebrate Mass where Jesus gave the Beatitudes, the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount, right there. But the beautiful thing, too, is that he's not a teacher like all the other teachers throughout time. Like, I could go to Monticello up in Virginia and see where Thomas Jefferson is and all the cool things that he wrote, and that's great. But it's not as though Thomas Jefferson is concerned about me now. Jesus is. And what he taught then, he continues to teach to you now, to me now. That all of us are called to look in the closet and see what I need to do with that second pair of pants right now. He is a teacher who continues to be in the midst of all of this with us. And looking at the way that Matthew constructs this beautiful entryway into the Sermon on the Mount, it reminds me of the very setting we're in right now and the sacrament we are celebrating in just a few moments. That is the Eucharist. And remember from the Second Vatican Council, the fathers of the council called the Eucharist, the most blessed sacrament, the source and the summit of our faith. And I'll tell you, those two words, I always just kind of think like, basically they're saying, it's really great, source and summit, it's amazing. But if you break that down and think about what a source and a summit are, they're very different things. A source, you know, it's the beginning, the thing that kind of gets you going right at the entryway, the priority, the foundation. Look at what Matthew tells us about the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, he takes that initial movement. He sees them. He goes up the mountain. He sits down to teach, and then the disciples come to him. He is the source of our moral life. He gets us going. Our faith is not one that demands picking yourself up by the bootstraps. This is not us, I'm going to be good, doggone it, and that's the way it is. He sees us, I mean, before he even forms us in the womb. He loves us from the beginning. He is the source who doesn't want to leave us, like I said, in the dark valley of mediocrity. He sees us and begins that process of bringing us up the mountain. He marches first. All of these things in the Beatitude, all of these blesseds, he is first. Poor in spirit, his is the kingdom of heaven, mourning and meek and hungry for thir hungering and thirsting for righteousness, merciful, clean of heart. Jesus is all of these things. And he leads the way into the ideal. He gives us that source to get moving. But what about that second half, the summits, right? What's a summit? It's the top of the mountain. It's the place where you plant your flag. It's the goal to which you're going for, which ultimately for us is sanctity, becoming a saint, getting to the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven? Being in perfect communion with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for all of eternity with no division, nothing that takes away our peace, nothing that takes away our love, and he has come down to be the source to get us going up to that summit, to show us that it is possible to climb that mountain to be in perfect union with him. And notice when he says, blessed are you, when they insult you, and why is it they're insulting you? Because of me. He wants us in a relationship with him. 
he begins the process of getting us out of the slump of mediocrity and keeps us going towards the summit that is perfect union with him. And when you look at it, we get not just teachings from 2,000 years ago in the Holy Land that's going to take a long time to fly to, but rather... He comes right to Salisbury, North Carolina on a Sunday morning and gives us the very sacrament that gets us going and keeps us moving towards the summit. We get to experience that, to receive that every single day. And so as he looks at us, he doesn't say, comrade. He says, my beloved child, my son, my daughter, you. And he wants you today to not worry about a future house or car and what you may do in the future, but today, what are you going to do with that second pair of pants? Because all of those different things, all the little things in our life, they matter to him. And so he speaks to us, speaks to us through sacred scripture. And these next three chapters that I highly recommend you read on your own, listen to them. When you feel that tug in your heart that, yeah, I think he's calling me to this. He's calling me to drop this bad habit. He's calling me to be more merciful to this jerk down the street that I have a really hard time forgiving, right? But he says to you today, yes, these are summits. This is high stuff. It is not easy. But he who is the source gives us himself to keep climbing that mountain. He doesn't set any goals that are impossible They're only impossible without him. And so he has made the way for us to be with him in the Eucharist all the time to keep climbing that summit, even if all it means is today figuring out what you're going to do with that second pair of pants. Praise be Jesus Christ.